Get the Pinot ready, it's crime time. to Criminally Real, your one-stop shop for all things true crime and real housewives. I'm your host, Lauren. And I'm Kelly. <laughs> and we're back and a little slap happy at the moment. So uh, we're trying yeah, to get our we shit went from together. from being completely dead to now this state. And I'm not, I'm, I don't know. We're going to get through it, though. We'll be fine. We need to find a happy medium at some point. <laughs> you, if I, uh, find me on like a, a sun, no, Saturday at 3 p.m. That'll be my happy place. <laughs> That's my happy medium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hungover in bed, cuddled up with I your mean, dog. Where else in the world would you be? I, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Not, <laughs> not, in this, not in this day and age. <laughs> No, not no. in this economy. But uh, today we have an exciting episode because we have our Yay! first guest. And it's Heather Gay. <laughs> Just kidding. I was to be like, what? <laughs> what? This is a surprise? It's surprise. not even my birthday. <laughs> uh, no, it's my husband because in our crime segment, there will be a 911 call that involves three people. So we needed a third participant and my husband is being forced <laughs> into it. marriage. But you'll all get to meet him. I know, force him into the marriage honestly but you'll get to meet him well kelly knows him but you listeners will get to meet him and hear his strong irish i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and spoiler (laughs) alert he does not have as thick of an accent as you wish that he does i'll tell you that i wish he sounded like groundskeeper willie sean connery (laughs) or uh ewan mcgregor Really? <laughs> he hates Ewan McGregor though, so he'll hate Aww. this comparison or this. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, I'll it's stick to James and the Giant Peach then. <laughs> <laughs> she compared my vagina to the peach and James and the Giant Peach earlier today because I said my vagina hurts when I do spin classes, and apparently that's I need to have a deep cavernous <laughs> vagina the size of James and the Giant Peaches for that to happen. I don't swallow it whole. Like, it's not like I clamp and strap in on either side of the seat with my labia. Like, just just hits wrong. For the record, I'm not bashing anyone's vagina, but... um, No. That's just, like, what I pictured was just, like... So I was like, oh, um, Cam is like James and the Giant Peach just crawling into the peach forever and ever. And it did look like a vaginal canal. Like if you've ever taken a biology (laughs) class and you see like the drawn out picture of the vaginal canal, that's Mm -hmm. that's what he's crawling through. Yeah, we'll post pictures (laughs) on our Instagram (laughs) side by side. For those who skip this section, are going to be so confused. Yeah, we'll make this reference a lot. We, this is insider knowledge, okay? <laughs> if you stuck it out this yeah, far. Yeah, see how many times we well, reference yeah, we it should... for a raffle prize. <laughs> yeah, and at the end, from our sponsors, Air. Air <laughs> is our sponsor because it's free and everyone gets it. Yay. So you're all winners. Yay. <laughs> But uh, I think we should dive into the case because it's a bit of a long one today, and we've still got to talk about Salt Lake City. I'm ready. So we should dive head first, like James Sounds into the peach. Great. Let's get this yes. stickiness going. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Kelly. Well, today's case is about Denise Amberly, and it is a case I've actually never heard of until I found it while doing research on interesting true crime cases. Uh, Kelly, you've never heard of her no, I either, haven't. right? Um, and I, 
like you told me the name and then I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. So I didn't go look it up. But um, funny enough, not so funny, I guess. I had this friend in college and her name was Amber Denise instead of Denise Amber. But that... That's about wow. as um, as much as I know. <laughs> Maybe you've solved the case then. I don't know. Call me uh, Sherlock. No, this case is solved. It's it's a kidnapping case. Uh, there will be a trigger warning because we do get into some injuries later on, but I will be disclosing those before we get into it as it is a bit horrific, as a lot of these cases are. So... I will now start talking a bit about Denise. So Denise Amber Lee was born August 6, 1986 in Englewood, Florida. Denise met her husband Nathan Lee when she was just 17 years years old and he was 19. Shortly after their first date, Nathan bought Denise a $40 heart-shaped ring that she never removed. This ring would later prove to be crucial evidence in her case. Despite their young ages, Denise and Nathan were deeply in love and wanted to start a family as soon as possible. Soon after they married, they had their son Noah and then Adam. Nathan worked three jobs to support their family and build a solid life for them. He comes across as hardworking and caring despite being so young. Nathan described their start as not easy, but despite it, they were extremely happy. They settled into an easy rhythm of Nathan going to work and Denise staying at home and watching their two children. And January 17th, 2008, started just like any other day. Nathan left early for work. At the time he left, Denise and the boys were still asleep in bed. He called Denise at 11 a.m. to check in with them, and she was cutting their son Noah's hair on the front porch of their house. Nathan was returning from work a little after 3 p.m. that day. He called Denise to let her know he was on his way, but there was no answer. At the time, he wasn't worried. This wasn't unusual for Denise to not answer the phone. She was often busy playing with the boys. However, when Nathan arrived home at 3.30 p.m., he found the two boys home alone in the same crib, which he said was extremely unusual. They never slept together. And Denise was nowhere to be found. The boys appeared unharmed, and due to their young age, they couldn't, they couldn't tell Nathan where Denise was. They're like six months and two years old, so they think they're going down for a nap, and that's about it. The front door had been locked, her keys, purse, and cell phone were in the house, but there's absolutely no trace of Denise to be found. After a quick search, Nathan began to panic. He phoned the police around 4 p.m. and reported Denise missing. Nathan would be the first of five phone calls placed to 911 that day in regards to Denise. Detective Chris Morales was the first to arrive at the scene. He found no signs of forced entry or a struggle, and like I said earlier, the children were unharmed. Backup quickly arrived and a search was carried out to try and establish what happened to Denise and see if the neighbors noticed anything odd that day. Denise's neighbor, Jennifer Eckert, told police that at 2.30 p.m. that day, she saw a green Camaro going up and down the road. She said she noticed it and took particular attention to the car as it was creeping up and down the road very slowly. She said the car circled the street four or five times and then it pulled into Denise's driveway driveway where she could see a man sitting in the front seat. After 10 minutes, she went outside her house and saw the car drive off. She could not see Denise in the car. Denise's case quickly picked up momentum and a search was quickly carried out. Her father, Rick Goff, was a detective in the area and was able to call on all area state, county, and municipal municipal law enforcement agencies to search for Denise. At 6.14 p.m., police got their first big break in the case. The Sarasota County Sheriff's Office had... Oof, say that like five fucking times. Oh my God. <laughs> so, 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 so. Um, They had received a call, a 911 call. The caller did not identify themselves, but it was clearly a female's voice. And the caller was not speaking directly to the operator. Instead, it sounded like she was talking to a man near her. We will be reading the 911 call now, and it was transcripted from caselaw.finelaw.com. And now we have to go get my husband so he can help us carry out this part (laughs) of the story. And we're back, and we have our special guest, Cameron. Welcome, Cameron. 
Hey guys, pleasure to be on your show. Long time listener, first time contributor. <laughs> we we definitely appreciate your sacrifice for this. And for people who don't know, um, Cam actually designed the lettering for an, our podcast cover. So designs a long. I don't know. Job, he he does. It he does better designs and like wins awards and stuff for that. So we're very happy for him. But he helped us. Uh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a great intro, Kelly. I don't know. Well, he wins some awards. I don't know. Can you People... be my hype man forever, Kelly? People should know. know he does great things besides your hubby thing. Hey, better than my uh, mom. Jeez. <laughs> better hype man. I tried. Get my designs on your fridge. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to, Cam's going to help us out with a 911 call. I'm going to be... Den- Denise speaking. Kelly's going to be the operator, and Cam is going to be the mystery male voice. Nine one one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to go. Hello. I'm sorry. I just want to see my family. Why did you do that? I'm sorry. I just want to see my family. Hello. I just want to see my family again, please. Hello. Hello. I just want to see my family again. Let me go. Hello. Fucking phone. Please let me go. Please let me go. Please let me see my family again. No fucking problem. Okay. Hello. I'm sorry. I was gonna let you go and then you go fuck around. I'm sorry. Please let me go. Where's my phone? Hello. Now I've got to go to the next street because of him. I'm sorry. Please let me go. What are you doing? Please let me go, please. Oh, God, please. In front of my cousin, Harold? Hello? Please let me go. God, please. I told you I would. Hello? Help me. What's the address? Please help me. What's the address that you're at? Please. I'm not... Hello? Please let me go. What's the address that you're at? Hello, ma'am? Where are we going? I've got to go up and around now because of what you did. Up and around where? Didn't you see? Exactly four streets, well, five streets for over from your house. I couldn't tell. What's your name, ma'am? What's your name? Please, my name is Denise. I'm married to a beautiful husband, and I just want to see my kids again. Your name's Denise? I'm sorry. Oh, to my supervisor. I'm thinking, too, that he doesn't know. Please, God, please protect me. Are you on I-75? Where are we? What did you do with my cell phone? I don't know. Please, protect me, please. Where are you at? Can you tell if you're on the I-75? I don't know where your phone is. I'm sorry. You'll be honest with me. Can't you just tell me where we are? Are you blindfolded? If you are, press the button. I don't have your phone. Please, God. I don't have it. I'm sorry. Do you know this guy? Be honest. I don't. I don't have it. I'm sorry. Denise, do you know this guy? She might have the phone laid down and not hear a thing I'm saying, too. He keeps, say- he keeps saying a phone. I don't know where it is. Maybe if I could see, I could help you find it. No, sir. Denise. I'm looking for it. Uh-huh. How long have you been gone from your house? I don't know. How long? I don't know. Do you know how long you've been gone from your house? What's your last name? Lee. Lee. I don't know where your phone is. Your name is Denise Lee. Uh-huh. Can you tell at all what street you're on? No. Do you know this guy that's with you? No. You don't know him from anywhere? No, please. Oh, God, help me. What's your address? What's your home address? Do you know? I don't know. Please just take me to my house. Can you take me home on Lauder, please? Can you see or do you have a blindfold on? I can't see. Where are we? They Can they turn off the radio or turn it down? I can't hear you. It's too loud. Where are we? Are you going to hurt me? Give me the phone. Are you going to let me out now? As soon as I get the phone. Help me. The call was terminated from there. Thanks so much, Cam, for reading for reading the 911 call. You put a lot of gumption in it. I think you have Thanks. a future career in acting <laughs> and voice work. Well, I've certainly got a face for radio, so... You well definitely know. got a face, you sweet cherub boy. Great voice. Great voice. Thank you. Well, hey, guys. I will go look after our demon dog. Yeah, go have fun with beans. <laughs> well, do. Right, guys. Have fun. Bye, Cam. Bye. Bye. Thank you. So okay. what do you think of that phone call? Um, being the one who was the dispatcher, I feel like maybe they could have said more than hello 12 times in the first, like, you know, little section. Like, 
obviously she called she's saying you know i just want to see my family like please let me go please help like obviously this woman is in trouble and i wish that maybe the dispatcher would have put that together a little bit faster yeah she was really slow to the uptake on that one i feel like like she just kept saying hello and it you know It took her, like, probably a couple minutes for her to, like, put two and two together. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell because she's, like, talking to her supervisor the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so they can tell, like, where it's binging off of. And it takes her so long just to ask for the woman's name. So it's like... I know. Yeah, it was a mishandling. I mean, this is... We'll we'll get into it soon, but there's a lot of uh, dispatch operator mishandlings throughout this mm, case. Upsetting. Unfortunately, remember this: th- there's five nine one one phone calls made in relation to Denise's kidnapping. Oh my so, gosh! We're um, gonna get I'm into gonna that, go- but first. Uh, We're going to dive into, uh, from that phone call, the police were able to trace the telephone number, um, and they found it belonged to a Michael King. Michael King is a 36-year-old unemployed plumber. Michael had been unemployed for several months following the kidnapping of Denise and was facing foreclosure on his house in Northport, Northport, Florida. At the time of the kidnapping, he was single but had been married previously. Family members said King had a low IQ as a result of a sledding accident he had had as a child. A witness witness described his injury as a divot in his brain. Oh. Yeah, intense sledding accident. Yeah. <laughs> in in Florida. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, but like, honestly, the least surprising part of that is Florida. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. When I read it was in Florida, I was like, oh, God, yeah, like, ah, what happens? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot happens in Florida, unfortunately. Um, but medical examiners stated that those with frontal lobe injuries are often prone to have poor judgment, exhibit blunted effect, take excessive risks, have difficulty regulating impulses such as aggression, and have difficulty separating fantasy from reality. Sounds familiar with this case. Uh, as we continue on, I don't think a sane person is going to kidnap someone. And okay, I'm from like a very small town where there's literally nothing to do besides drive around so I'm quite familiar with like driving up and down streets in front of people's homes and it probably looking a little bit weird but uh, so you don't do it like 10 times just do it three and go somewhere else like that's like such a huge red flag and who would do that I mean I would do that like if my friends and I were smoking weed in a car but I don't think we usually like, keep patrolling the same neighborhood. Yeah, and it's like, what did you say, like 11 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, it was pretty early in the afternoon when yeah. it's so the neighbor saw him pull in at 2.30 and okay. she was cutting her son's hair at 11. Okay. So somewhere so between afternoon. then, yeah. Um, but back to King, Family's yes. mem- family members stated that King was 17 and he watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He then obtained a chainsaw and started chasing family members around with it while exhibiting no expression on his face. Healthy okay. behaviors. Yeah, I can't see my face, but I'm just shocked. Like I know. I, I like this, it's a great movie, but, but this didn't like. Um, I guess raise some serious red flags with his parents that maybe he needs some help. Not that I, I didn't read anywhere that they sent him to like therapy or anything like that. They may have, and I just didn't come across it. But uh, nothing that I read, and I read quite a few files on this, said that yeah. he went to therapy. Well, I mean, just judging based on where this is going, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and guess no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah. Well, there's more. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead no, of myself. No, you're fine. Please, con- please continue. <laughs> uh, so at the age of 13, while acting out a cartoon, King nearly killed his brother with a bow and arrow. King also suffered from headaches and a buzzing in his head, both of which were exasperated by stress. In December 2007, after breaking up with his wife, facing bankruptcy along with 
the loss of his house and being unemployed for a period of time, King began acting strangely, almost as if he were in a perpetual daze. At times, he appeared to be in a catatonic state. Family members testified that he became paranoid during that time. Furthermore, a second girlfriend stated that on January 15, 2008, just two days before Denise's abduction, King's behavior was becoming more extreme and that he believed his neighbors were looking in the windows. The day he kidnapped... Yeah, this man clearly needed a lot of help and nobody thought to raise alarm bells with anything, anyone, any enforcement. Like, they made a lot of notes, but then we're like, oh, you want a bow and arrow for Christmas? Yeah, where seems, the fuck did he get a bow and seems arrow? fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Look, know. I, di- I didn't even know you could buy a chainsaw at 17, so I don't know. Well, this is Amer- This is Florida. Oh, true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're just, like, being sold on the side of the road alongside lemonade stands. <laughs> So that's not I think that they saw him in sporting good stores in Texas. <laughs> Anywho, okay. back to King. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, The day he kidnapped Denise, he had been patrolling the area looking for any opportunity. With the owner of the phone identified, as well as the number one suspect for Denise's disappearance, the police immediately went to his house in Northport, but neither Denise nor Michael were there. At 6.23 p.m., a 17-year-old girl, Sabrina Muxlow, called 911. Sabrina told the operator that her father saw a girl tied up and that she came out of the car and my dad's cousin went and put her back in the car when she got out. She told them that the car the girl was in was a green Camaro. Sabrina had called 911 because her father, Harold Muxlow, told her about an incident that involved that happened at his house between 5.30 and 6 p.m. that day. His cousin, Michael King, had arrived at his house. Harold was not expecting him. Michael asked Harold for a flashlight, a gas can, and a shovel. He told him that he needed it for his lawnmower as it was stuck in his front yard. Um, that's his great excuse. That makes sense. When my lawnmower is fixed, that's what I need. Why would you just ask for help? Like, that's quite a trifecta. I mean, or like tools. Yeah, like if it's stuck, you don't need a flashlight or a gas can. Maybe like a shovel if like the tire, like the wheels are stuck. You need to make more of a divot. But like, I don't know. It's uh, it. It was a fishy backstory. Um, oh my, yeah, like whatever he could think of at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was oh my well. God. But then Harold gave these items to Michael. But as Harold walked back to the house, he heard a woman shout, "Call the cops!" Harold then walked back down the driveway and asked Michael what was going on. Michael said, don't worry about it. Harold walked away but looked back once more and saw Michael crawling over the console in the Camaro and pushing the head of a person with shoulder-length hair back down in the seat. He saw the person's knees rise up. Michael climbed into the driver's seat and drove away. Now, what do you think Harold did after this? Um... Like everybody else in Michael's past, it seems like he just made a note about it and was like, I kind of want to make some popcorn. Like, that's honestly, that would be my guess right now is that he went inside and made popcorn and like made an offhanded comment to his his daughter who was like, no, that's fucking weird. We should call the cops. Uh, well, you're not far off, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm surprised that wasn't just verbatim what happened. Like, he's like, uh... I saw a woman that looks like she's being held against her will, but I'm really hungry, so... I know. Gosh, I gotta go to H-E-B. I gotta get some chicken for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Like, gotta go to Costco. What was I thinking about? Yeah, yeah. 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 No big deal. Yeah, I mean, he didn't call the cops right away, like a normal person would. Harold instead (laughs) decided to drive to Michael's house to see if the lawnmower was actually in the front yard. And when he got there, (laughs) lo and behold... Wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yes, yes, you may guess. Michael doesn't even own a lawnmower. Well, probably not. He doesn't even own a lawn, I bet. I bet, yeah. So there's no lawnmower stuck anywhere. I mean, I think Harold quickly came to the realization that there wasn't a lawnmower, and so the person that was in the back of Michael's seat probably wasn't a gardener. So (laughs) he placed after this, after this, and wasting God knows how much time. 
He placed an anonymous phone call to 911 and provided provided a description of Michael's car. He told them that there may be a person inside held against their will. Harold, maybe. Maybe. I heard her scream, call the cops, but, and she was really pushed sure. down. She could have been She could have been yelling for chicken nuggets. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, I we get, don't know. I get like, that. That's, that's how I imagine this call went down. It was like, well, it like, could be, but it couldn't be. Call the nuggies. You know, he's my cousin. <laughs> so, like, he hasn't always been great, but he's an okay guy. He wouldn't hold a woman against the, her will. I must have just been imagining it. I bet it was a true crime oh. podcast. That's probably just been watching too much Dateline. Or maybe it was the lawnmower in the back of his car making weird noises. You know what? He probably didn't even call and to say that there was a woman like being held against her will. He was just like, maybe my cousin is a lying sack of shit. <laughs> like, that's why he called. I I would love to hear the transcript of Harold's call. I'm gonna be honest oh. here. So, after Harold got home, he told his daughter what happened, and then Sabrina, having the only brains in the fucking family, immediately called 911 to relay what happened. Go, Sabrina. I know. A 17-year-old is is the only one with brains in Florida. Oh, my God. A few minutes after Sabrina's 911 call was made, another 911 call came in. At 6.30 that evening, Jane Kowalski called 911. Jane was stopped at a traffic light on Highway 41 when she heard someone screaming. She described the scream as, It was a very high-pitched scream, and it was unlike any type of scream I've ever heard in my life. Jane was on the phone with her sister at the time, and the screams were so loud that her sister heard them from the other end of the phone. The noise was... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, especially because I'm thinking, like, early 2000s phones and stuff, like... (laughs) Yeah. Yo, Nokia phones pick up that's, everything. That's okay. true. So the noise was coming from the car next to her. Jane looked across and made eye contact with a man. He was pushing something down in the back seat of his car. Jane said after he pushed something down, a hand came up from the back seat and started slapping very loudly on the window. When the traffic light turned green, Jane didn't speed away. She hoped the car would drive forward so she could see the license plate number. But he wouldn't drive forward, so she began moving slowly, and the man changed traffic lanes and pulled up behind her. Jane tried to follow him and give the dispatchers a location, but he changed lanes, heading towards an interstate 75, and Jane was unable to follow due to traffic. And despite the fact that four patrol cars were within a mile of the car in which Denise was fighting for her life, due to inefficiencies in the call center, none were dispatched. Oh, my God. Also, there were, like, helicopters and shit around, like, per- like looking yeah, like, for Denise. Yeah, like, people know this woman is missing now. And you mm-hmm. have someone calling in saying, like, she is right here. Like, even tried to follow the car at... You know, potentially a risk to her own safety. I know. What a badass. I'm I'm noticing a trend here in this story that um, all of the women are the ones making the calls and doing great things. And the system is failing. Yep. Women get shit done and everyone else falls to the wayside in this story and in every facet of life. This makes me sad already. I know. It's there. I know. I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, so, and say anything and spoil what happens, but, uh, so, later that night at 9 p.m., Deputy Christian Weimer and State Trooper Edward Pope were posted at the Toledo Blade Boulevard near Interstate 75 looking out for the green Camaro. They had a description of the car and license plate number. At around 9.10 p.m., the Camaro drove onto the I-75 and they followed the car, forcing it to pull over. The police ordered the driver to exit multiple times. The driver only exited when they threatened to shoot. Out from the car came Michael King. He was wet from the waist down with mud on his shoes. Police searched his car and found a phone, but the battery and SIM card had been removed. They also found a gas can shovel with dirt on it and a ring in the back seat of the car, but Denise was not found there. Michael was charged with kidnapping at this time, but, ber- but refused to give any information on Denise or where she was. Police continued to search for Denise, and two days after Michael's arrest, a member of the search party saw an area of land in Northport that appeared to have been recently disturbed. There were two small piles of sand that were out of place for the normal terrain. In those two piles of sand were what appeared to be blood. According to the crime scene technician, it appeared that blood had been 
Blood had been on the ground previously, and the sand had been placed on top of the blood to absorb it. At a depth of about three feet, one inches, they found the naked body of Denise Amber Lee. Denise had been shot dead less than three miles away from where Jane made the 911 phone call. Trigger warning for this next part. I'm going into um, the injuries that Denise faced. Uh, they're pretty bad. And uh, rape warning. So skip this part if you don't want to hear it. It's not very long. So the medical examiner determined that Denise died from a single point blank shot gun blank gunshot wound to the head. The wound was shot to the right of Denise's right eyebrow and caused her eye to explode. There is aspirated blood in Denise's lungs, which indicates that Denise was alive for a period of time after she was shot in the head. There are also bruises on Denise's wrist caused by ligatures that were consistent with defensive injuries. The medical examiner also noted that Denise had vaginal bruising and an anal tear, both of which were caused by insertion drama. Denise was raped before she was shot. Michael is charged then with first-degree mur murder and pled not guilty. It's pretty horrific. It and Denise fought so fucking hard. Yeah, like, she did everything like, that one can as they're being abducted. Like, full well knowing that yeah. she could have been shot in the back of that car. And she still fought. Yeah, and she, and uh, everyone failed yeah. her. <laughs> Essentially that yeah. day. All of those 911 yeah, calls, her. and the most that they could put together is, like, this person's car and where they live. Like, they had all of the information so quickly, too. Mm-hmm. I know, and they p p police patrolling everything. Uh -huh. I just don't... I don't know how she was so close to the area of which she was abducted, of which she was last, you know, seen through 911 calls. Like, it's not like he took her far yeah. away. How could there be this many patrollers? Mm -hmm. and, the, and the Jane lady, like you said, it was like three miles from where that woman had called 911 when she mm -hmm. was in traffic. I just, like, I can't imagine how bad she must feel about it, too, and being, like, almost had a... Um, and no one else came through. <laughs> I know, like, D Jane was a badass yeah. and did went above and beyond the call of duty. Um, and the 911 operators and all the surrounding police, just lack like. of communication. And it's unfortunate that Denise wound up dead when she didn't have to die. She could have very easily been rescued by Harold, by 911 yeah. operators, by anybody. Yeah. But luckily, uh, all this evidence was found, so the prosecution had a strong case against Michael. Uh, they had the multiple eyewitnesses, including his cousin Harold, who testified on behalf of the prosecution. Fucking shocker, Harold remembered what happened to him an hour ago, let alone, you know, a couple days yeah. ago, but whatever, Harold, go fuck yourself. I'm pretty sure at that point, like, he couldn't... He probably had to. I mean, he could have been treated like a hostile witness because, I mean, he made a 911 call, so... Mm -hmm. And then his daughter yeah. did. So, so, you so he was fucked. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he went kicking and screaming. But um, apart from the eyewitnesses, they also had five 911 phone calls and DNA evidence. Denise sometimes wore Nathan's boxer shorts, and she had been wearing a pair that day. The boxer short ha shorts had been found a couple hundred yards away from Denise's body. They tested positive for sperm cells, and on the cells matched the DNA profile of Michael King. Denise also left behind evidence. In the Camaro, police found her heart-shaped ring and strands of her hair that she had pulled out. They believe Denise intentionally left out these items so that she could be identified and be leaving this the trail. This bad bitch. Smart this lady. Bad bitch. Yeah. She watches Dateline. She knows. <laughs> yeah. Unsolved mysteries. She's, She's like, on it. No, she fucking knew. Fucking know I'm here. <sighs> she did everything. She did literally everything Man. she could have done. <sighs> fucking. Poor Denise. So uh, her palm print was also found on the outside of the driver's side window. A search of Michael's house also provided more evidence. Duct tape was found with Denise's hair attached to it. Police believe Denise had been taken to Michael's house, was restrained with duct tape, and raped repeatedly. She was then taken to Harold's house, Michael, where Michael retrieved the items. <laughs> so oh the defense case, if you can't believe there's a defense case, they focused what on the poor public defender. 
got stuck with this one. I know. There's only, only so much you can lie to yourself, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but they didn't focus on trying to prove Michael's innocence. Um, they focus on the fatal shot that killed Denise. They questioned who fired the fatal shot and said that it wasn't Michael as no murder weapon was found. (laughs) Denise, after getting raped and being kidnapped, she decided to shoot herself in front of her rapist and kidnapper. And she buried herself in a hole and covered it with sand that wasn't part of that terrain. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes this a was, lot yep. of sense. You know what? Why don't why don't we just throw the husband in there too while we're at it? Fuck it. He could have done know. it. Were you sure yeah. he was at work the whole time? I mean, he could have a Who twin. Who knows? You know? Couldn't have been Michael though. Uh, he's the son of a bitch, but he's not that bad. Yeah, he only raped and kidnapped her. He wouldn't shoot her in the no. eyeball. God. Fuck's sake. Um, I I mean, they've got to do something. I yeah. guess it's their job too. But at some point, it's like. You got to draw a line. Um, I mean, I'm so I'm they sure also tried. They've like they tried to convince him like it is in your best interest just to take the plea deal. <laughs> like I know, yeah, he kept pleading not guilty, and it's like, bitch, this is like the tightest case mm. I've seen in a long yeah, time. While so reading, much like, there's, <laughs> like you might as well have just filmed yourself, uploaded it to YouTube with the amount of evidence <laughs> that you've already got stacked against you. They still also tried to provide reasonable doubt by bringing the jury's attention to evidence tampering and contamination and by suggesting that one of King's friends had committed the crime. But the judge did not approve of the latter defense and the defense rested without calling any witnesses. It took the jury just two hours to deliberate and they found Michael guilty of first-degree murder, involuntary sexual battery, and kidnapping. Michael was sentenced to death, which he appealed, but the sentence was upheld. Thank Christ. That makes me feel like he went through the trial just to, like, piss off the the family and, like, make them go through it again and again because I can drag out. But... And they have to see all the pictures yeah. and, you know, Yeah, like he wanted what to have relive you. it. But they also said people with frontal lobe injuries can't separate fantasy from reality. So maybe, like, he just dissociated. Yeah. I don't know. He's probably just a, he's just a fucking liar murderer. But, you know, if we want to look at it from a different point of view. No, I'm... I'm not giving him a I'm benefit totally of the doubt. I'm just saying. I'm from... Um, he murdered and raped someone and is guilty. I'm I'm fine with looking at it. Guilty from that. as yeah. fuck. He's guilty as fuck. But um, he'll never see the light of day again. I don't think he's been killed yet. I mean, I'm not for the death penalty, but I think he's still alive because that take like usually uh, when you're time. on death row, it takes fucking yeah. ages and is a waste of so money. Expensive. And uh, we've we've talked about how the death penalty should be abolished before. So (laughs) won't go into it again. But as for Denise's family now, so her husband, Nathan Lee, has started a foundation called the Denise Amber Lee Foundation after her murder to promote better training around 911 calls and to create public awareness. I mean, he he shouldn't have had to do that. It should have just been done. But I don't know. I have a lot of respect for people that try to turn their pain into like, Making it better for other people. Yeah, it takes a special kind of person to be able to do that, I believe. He went on Dr. Phil to share his story. Denise's father helped to get the Denise Amber Lee Act signed into law, and the Florida legislator passed it unanimously. The act provides voluntary training for 911 operatives. Um, because despite Denise's bravery and her ferocious fight to save her life, she was let down by 911 operators that day. And then motorists like Jane and Sabrina uh, tried to help, and others who heard the screams said they did not call 911 as they did not want to get involved in the case, thinking it's a domestic dispute. I hate that. So, so many people failed Denise. Thank God her husband and her dad have been trying to make lemonade out of lemons. Um... In the most dire of cases and incidents, but that's the story of Denise Amberly, and it's pretty fucking it horrible. Is, and one hundred percent preventable. Yeah, a thousand percent. That like I thousand percent believe had the nine one one operators been competent at their job that day, she could have been rescued multiple mm-hmm. times. Hopefully, uh, Nathan and Rick, you know, their procedures will help 
people in the future and like have continued to help i don't know but i'm gonna guess it can't fucking hurt um to get more training for i mean i don't know why they don't make it enforced and i mean i'm sure that being a 911 operator is not easy at all like i'm sure that it's very very difficult to discern people's emergencies and like i'm not trying to talk shit about that Mm -hmm. but yeah they hopefully ideally there's training like you it's not a call center you know i don't i don't know i don't know how I she mean, there could seems have been to be failed a lack of training in florida so many times yeah there seems to be an issue around florida <laughs> uh yeah. in general yeah, pretty much but particularly with 911 gosh but yeah we're gonna now move on to salt lake city and try to make life happy again who knows <laughs> yeah we're just gonna we're gonna drink some some our salty palate scent cleanser exactly yeah. like the sweet and saltiness it's like a lemon drop shot <laughs> so kelly um, what are your uh, current thoughts in salt lake city in the last two episodes what are your thoughts and feelings so yeah we're about halfway through now right if mm-hmm. we include the reunions um, I mean, the past two episodes would be 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. I feel like not a lot really happened. No. Um, like, I think the biggest thing was the, the spa incident. Um, and then they go to Vegas. So my thoughts, uh, I'm back to hating Jen. I know I thought I liked her last yeah. week, but now I'm back. And uh, I still like Jen. Well, I just, um, okay, so there was, like, two instances where, uh, and maybe it's because of, it's, it has to do with Heather and how she treats Heather. Oh, yeah. And I, and now I'm like, I, I mean, I love Heather, so I feel, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I have to protect her from Jen. <laughs> yeah, I get that, but also Sharif is such a dick, um, <laughs> Like I know Really they had they had me crying when when they were when they like had their moment um they had me crying. He didn't go to her father's funeral or help her out at all. And when she like needed medication was like so depressed she couldn't function. He's like you need to pray more. I'm sorry, but I don't like this man. Yeah. I mean they had like a sweet moment, and yeah, that made me cry. But yeah, not now showing up Mm-mm. to your father-in-law's funeral and not being there in any capacity for your wife is and not helping your bullshit. wife plan. Like she had to make the decision yeah. to take her dad off of life support, plan his funeral. Like that's a lot for one mm-hmm. person to take and, on. Yeah, and then to not be understanding after the fact when she's you know, clinically mm-hmm. depressed over it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think, I think like, him apologizing was put on for show. I think he's an absent father, absent husband, and I think he's an asshole. And I think that's why a lot of why Jen's personality is the way it is. Not saying it's right, but I'm saying I definitely can understand where she's coming from more and why she's so reactive to situations. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that that's exclusively related to her relationship with her husband. You know, I think there's probably some some more underlying mm-hmm. issues there. But she is most definitely like an, she's completely a narcissist. And I mean, I think I she's cuckoo for cocoa puffs, but I do think it's exacerbated Definitely. by Sharif's. Yeah, for sure. Behavior. I mean, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't play like a bigger mm-hmm. role. Uh, maybe next season or something like that. I'm surprised like, they're not divorced. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting honestly, for that divorce. Same. <laughs> I'm waiting for that divorce yeah. announcement. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing I will say about Jen is during the scene with Sharif when they're on the bed, her without makeup is fucking stunning. Like I couldn't believe how beautiful she looked. Her skin flawless. Yes, like not a pore to be seen. She's just mm-hmm. like this beautiful blank canvas, and then it goes to her her like interview headshot, and it's just like with the blue sponge, it's a whole lot of makeup. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole lot of makeup. Yeah. like it's extra. Like I think she's still beautiful um, with makeup, but like she looks so much younger without makeup. Like I was shocked by how much younger she looked. Yeah, yeah. No, she. I mean, like 
She's beautiful. Yeah. They're all beautiful. But yeah, the I think the scene that really um that really upset me was in the episode eleven where like she takes Heather on this nice exclusive oh, yeah. shopping trip without all the other girls and like is making Heather feel really special and is like, our friendship means so much to me, Heather. I don't know what I would do with you. And then buys her these expensive shoes and then is like throwing the whole Whitney thing back in Heather's face. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like she really, she really made the reconciliation. Mm-hmm. She put that back on Heather. Like it's her job to do now because that's her family. And like, it was just, it, I felt like it was so like abusive in that, in that situation to like, almost like buy Heather's affection and try to like, be like, no, we're good. We're such good friends. But now you have to do this for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think she holds on to things. Like, she'll say she's over a situation, and then the next scene, she's talking about it again, and she's clearly not Uh, over it. Yeah, she doesn't let anything go. She's beating every dead horse around. But, I mean, the bathtub scene is the best bathtub scene since Mariah Carey did MTV Cribs, and she, like, ended it with her in her bathtub sipping champagne. I would say this is just below that. Um, I loved it. I also want to go to that bath. It looks amazing. I mean, I read in my notes, I I wanted to ask you about what your thoughts were on that spa, because, like, if I was Jen and and not, like, you know, Whitney approached her was like, I want to take you to the spa as an apology, and you're used to, like, very ritzy things, and then you show up to this, like, fucking Unabomber cabin. I mean, yeah, for, for Jen, like, this is her idea of hell. Um, this is, she is sure was like, oh, we're going to get massages. We'll be in a hot tub. Uh, We're going to get champagne delivered to us. And she's like, I'm sitting in a crystallized, yeah, like I'm sitting in a a mineral bath. (laughs) I thought it looked great though. I thought so too. And I, I don't know. I loved the splashing thing because, you know, you really, you never get to see, like, the whole production crew and everything. And you know it was 100% one of the producers who was like, nah, bitch, you got to get back in that yeah. bath. We're going to finish this scene. I'm surprised the... You just got to do it. I'm surprised the producer didn't channel Ramona and go, who are you to get me wet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jen fucking threw a glass. She splashed. This is a Ramona and Kristen scene, this, part two, waiting yes, to happen. Oh my god, next they're going to take a boat out. Yep. Which, speaking of Ramona, um, so there was the part where, like, Heather and Lisa and their husbands go out to dinner, and they make a toast to new beginnings. Do you mean Heather and Jen? And, no, no, oh. no, it was Heather and Lisa. Oh, I forgot that they and, met. And yeah, yeah, I, and I thought the new beginnings, yeah. too. I was like, no, it was Meredith, because Meredith and Seth said it was their new beginning oh, yeah, to sorry, Lisa. Oh, yeah, sorry, Meredith, my bad. No, you're okay. Yeah, Meredith and Lisa. I thought the um, same thing. I was like, oh, bitch, you're, you're going to be divorced so fast. Yeah, I was like, I wrote in my notes, new beginning should be another term that Real Housewives are forbidden from using. I know, new beginnings. <laughs> like, don't get married, or don't get yeah. your vows renewed. Don't go through a new beginnings thing. Speaking of Lisa Meredith, I'm going to... They're one person to me now because they're both so fucking boring that they're not worth talking about individually. Like, Meredith is Xanax personified. And Lisa's, like, (laughs) trying to create her own show, like, inviting all of her friends to, like, separate a Yeti, which looked awesome. But they're... and, And... uh, Meredith, like how she speaks, it reminds me of Jennifer Coolidge in a Cinderella story when she first gets Botox and she's like trying to emote and she can't. Oh and that's what Meredith reminds me of. Jennifer Coolidge with way too much fucking Botox. <laughs> Specifically within I see that. like I mean, I talk slow too, so like I can't talk shit about Meredith, but if there's one person's voice that I hate more than my own, it's it's Brooks. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I still like Brooks, but yeah, his voice is annoying. I but I have an annoying voice, yeah. so I'm like, uh, people have an annoying voice. Yeah, there's like, like a shitty yeah. voice hall of fame that's Brooks, Meredith, me, and you. I know, they're just, it's just Meredith and Lisa are so fucking boring, and they act like they're above this, and it's like, bitch, you're not above this. You need to get down and dirty. Yeah. Nobody wants to see you be like, ooh, toodaloo, yeah. crumpets. I mean, I get it, and like, in a, in a real-life situation, no, you don't want to deal with this bullshit. Ain't nobody got time for that. But I'm sorry. You get paid for mm-hmm. this bullshit. So dive in. Like, if you were just sitting... Like, dive into that peach, James. Let's go. <laughs> Not the peach. <laughs> but, like, if... If Meredith and Lisa just sat back and didn't participate in the drama but had really smart, snarky commentary, I would kind of be okay because every every series need its, needs its narrator. And the narrator doesn't always get involved, but they will retell stories funny. They'll throw shade. But neither of them do any of that. Lisa occasionally, but I don't think she's in on the joke. <laughs> so I don't think it's intentional. Yeah. Like, I think, I think she just kind of falls into humor. I think that... I think that both of them joined the show to promote their own brand. Yeah. Because they both have their own businesses and their own brand, which, I mean, like, a, a lot of people do, yeah. and that's, that's fine. But, like, I feel like Lisa especially is on there for for that. Like, she's yeah. not on there for the show. She's she's on there to get Insta-followers. Because she actually wants to be the queen of Sundance. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yes, even though she <laughs> she ain't shit. She ain't fucking <laughs> shit. But yeah, they're just so boring. I hope neither are back next season, to be honest. Because you also do need like the straight yeah. person that's a little more normal. And I think Whitney fills that role, but she's a lot more interesting and funny and smart. I'm- yeah, I want Whitney's friend. Do you know? Do you remember? I think it was like last episode or a couple mm-hmm. episodes that it was before she went to Sharif's party and opened her mouth. She had like gone over to her friend's mm-hmm. place who was like equally gorgeous and she's like, oh, yes, my best friend forever. I was like, I want you on the show. <laughs> I don't think they're friends anymore. I feel like I read no. somewhere they're like on the outs but I could it could be a different friend but I feel like Honestly, it's that one that's like such an even better reason to yeah. the <laughs> they'll fight each other exactly. I want to see it but um yeah yeah I but yeah I don't I don't think Mary will be back mm-mm. next season obviously because yeah um oh, Meredith and Lisa I think that maybe one of them will stay, but not both. I think Lisa has more potential than Meredith. Yeah. So I think Lisa could be a good I villain. I think Meredith is, is like, above it all for real. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't really give a fuck. And Lisa just wants everyone to think that she doesn't give a fuck when she really Oh, but does. she gives all the fucks. Like, yeah. every single mm-hmm. one does she gives... She could. She would yeah. fuck the fuck if it meant she could give more fucks. She she's the type is like, I shop at Target, but like this is also Chanel. Yeah, I'm so relatable. I have range. Yeah, I'm so relatable. Do you see my denim jacket? <laughs> but did you notice my Louis Vuitton bag? Like, and the denim jacket's Gucci. <laughs> exactly. But, like, yeah. let's talk about relatable and talk about Heather. I'm just a hardworking woman, you know? I started at the bottom like everybody else. And then sucked my way to the top. Boom. But no, not Heather. I'm just Heather kidding. Heather doesn't even take a salary, like I, we just learned. I hate Heather. <gasps> Kidding! <laughs> she still proves time and time again the best. She's the voice of reason but also hilarious. And um, I also really liked Big Daddy. <laughs> How she handled that scene was just beautiful. He's like, do you want dessert? No. You can get a Slurpee. Yeah. <laughs> and when she said this is my sober TED talk, I died yes, laughing. I lost my shit. That was because in the beginning I was like, oh, maybe you know what? Maybe Jen really does care about her. Like this is the second man she's introduced her to. Like things are going. The first great. one was a good hit. Yeah. So maybe maybe this is where it's at. And yeah, sober 
TED Talk. She's like, I thought we were going to wine and dine. We just had some minor technical difficulties. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry about that. Um, my Wi Fi is. Kelly's Wi Fi crapped the bed. It did. It did. I've been having problems <laughs> yeah. with it like yesterday and today. Um, and you would think that it should be shitty Wi Fi, but it's actually expensive. So I don't know why it's shitting on me. But anyway, we were talking about sober TED Talks, and I don't want to give you an AT&T Wi-Fi TED Talk, because... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, Heather's still the best. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that she puts up with a lot of shit from Jen. Um, I feel like... Maybe Heather is a little bit scared of Jen. I mean, I know that she said she's scared of losing Jen, but I don't know. I mean, I went through this recently in my personal life that I think that you should be able to express your feelings without the other person being irate and without it turning into a fight. And that's exactly yep. what happened with Heather and Jen and Whitney. So and with your dumbass hoe ex friend, exactly. <laughs> Everybody acting like a hoe up in here. <laughs> I'm usually hoe's a term of endearment, but not for your ex friend exactly. now. She sucks. <clears throat> I hope she's listening. Hope you get some I'll call help. her out. I'll I'll say no, her name. Don't do that. Say, just kidding. <laughs> I don't want people like going and harassing her on Instagram like we have that many fans, but. Uh, all the fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you are listening, maybe you should go watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City episode 10. And I don't know, maybe I'm Heather in that situation and maybe you're Jen. Yeah, and maybe you both need different husbands and or boyfriends or not, or be single and learn to love yourself. Exactly. That's my life advice for everybody out there. Learn to love yourself, baby. I was about to call you out on the being single part because... Uh, bitch, you married. <laughs> I was single for a long time, though. Yeah, that's true. And I learned to love myself. Because, yeah. like, I was single, like God RuPaul says, you can't <laughs> love yourself. How in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Um, but, yeah, Lauren, what are, what are some of your, got any final thoughts? Anything you're looking forward to? Um, I don't know. Uh, predictions for the reunion based on the episode so far? I just farted to the <laughs> microphone pick up. No, I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> This people. is what I'm really glad to be six hours behind you. <laughs> and like 2,000 yeah. miles away. Oh, I can't smell my nasty farts anymore. <laughs> So, final thoughts, final farts. Um, yeah, these last two episodes, not much happened. Didn't really have too much to say on them. But I I feel like cast trips always come through. And I pray this cast trip comes through. I kind of hope Mary shows up. I don't think she will. But I hope uh, she does. Because I think we are missing Mary from this show. Yeah, <laughs> we need her a little bit in she there. She's gone. Um, the only reason that she was yeah. even shown is because of Whitney. So, And to show off her hoarder closets. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, oh, well, yeah. What are your... I was just going to say, oh. like, do her and her husband have different bedrooms? Because she's she said, like, something like, the closet in my husband's room. Yeah, probably. probably. They probably have never shared yeah. a room when she got too old for him, quote unquote. Okay, once she became Ugh. legal, he was probably like, oh. Anyway. Not to make assumptions. Um, yeah, she's but. a fucking hoarder. Um, yep. I think it'd be interesting to see her again, but it doesn't doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I don't th- I think there's too much drama with her uh, church. So, but I do think, so Bravo's trying to dissociate from that which is surprising because there's been so many bravo celebrities that have done awful things and they've never pulled out this hard before well but, i wonder if it's like a mutual thing uh, I, i'm sure it'll come to yeah. light we'll see if she's at the reunion i don't know if she's going to be at the reunion i don't know um, maybe pretty soon she'll yeah, be like you... downgraded to uh like friend of whitney <laughs> Like, she's not a housewife anymore. Yeah, she's a friend of. She'll just be there smelling people and telling them what she reminds Ooh. them of. 
She'd be like, You smell like baked beans. <laughs> you smell like beanie fat. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> um, but uh, what are your final thoughts on the last two episodes? Future thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, mm, I feel like I've kind of expressed all that. Um, future prediction would be. I, I'm really, I really want like a hoedown, throwdown reunion. I think they'll bring I, it. God, I hope so. Like, Jen, if there was a time to make me love you again, <laughs> um, it's at the reunion. If you don't stand up at the reunion and do something. Uh, oh, she's going to do oh, a yeah, lot. I hope so. She's going to do the most. Yeah, I mean, as like, the only thing I will say is, as much as I hate Jen, I also acknowledge that she is the spoon that stirs the tea. And we love her for that. The tea. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I, I still like Jen. Um, I think she's amusing. I think she's also can be a sympathetic character at times, which makes you not completely hate her. Yeah. Yeah. Nice but feeling. she's also cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, so. Ugh. Yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the Vegas trip. I think it'll be good based off the previews. Yeah. I hope they just get wasted, and I hope Whitney decides to bring up more drama. Oh my gosh. While extremely drunk again. We, I love a good sloppy Whitney. Like, just a little white girl wasted. Same. Ooh. Same. And on, on, on that, that note, note, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Keep it real. Bye, Bye. people. Bye. <laughs>